back to Forwards Backwards Podcast, not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios. This week, we discuss Forward, Madison, Formingos, the Vang Train goes Lakeshore Limited route, and a bunch of other stuff. I haven't figured out what the other stuff is. As always, I'm joined by the Jake, to my Elwood, Kyle Carr. Kyle? We learned that a gender reveal explosion was responsible for the massive fires sweeping California. As forwards colors are pink and blue, how much blame should we place on our club for the for these gender explosions? I'm going to put it at 5%. I, I wow. think pink and blue being popular colors um, definitely doesn't look good on the club side for picking those type of colors. It is possible these people were Ford Madison fans. Um, so, you know, until it's absolutely ruled out, there's got to be 5% blame. And, you know, I think a gender reveal is excessive. When we found out we were having a boy, it was simple. Someone would ask, are you having a boy or girl? And I say boy, and that would be it. I'm pretty sure I texted my parents <laughs> that we were you know, having a boy. You, so very you low key. You don't seem like a real gender reveal party kind of guy. We didn't even announce the pregnancy on Facebook or any other social media, so it definitely wasn't going to do a gender reveal. <laughs> um, you know, here's what I will say. If, if in order to release smoke bombs at our beloved Bree Stevens Field, we need, like, the fire chief there, how can these people just have random explosions in their backyards without some sort of supervision? Yeah. I'm, people are dumb. That's all, that's all <laughs> I've got for it. <laughs> I think that's, that's generally uh, the, the right way to go. Uh, Dan Fallon is not with us today because uh, Dan Fallon is union, unlike Kyle and I. And thanks to America's unions, he gets Labor Day off. So way to go, Dan. Uh, Cowboy Neil at the wheel is on the golf course uh, yet again, so won't be joining us. So that means uh, we're going to get pretty much right down to business. It's we're, we're going to you know keep it tight. It's a vacation day pod. So we're you know uh, Kyle, you came from your your backyard barbecue. I'm on my way over to my parents to get some afternoon ribs um so we had to m- make sure we situated this just right if i had the ribs obviously would not have been able to podcast because i would have had thanks to dave Chappelle, i know a bad case of the itis yes it would definitely um it would be a very slow and lethargic pod to say the least <laughs> and i'm slow and lethargic to begin with so <laughs> Uh, really, I thought, so the, the kind of key points that we saw, you know, one of the big ones was on the left side. Uh, I thought Jiro and Paulo were really strong. Paulo in particular, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were looking at Paulo and he's, he's stepped up his form. Um, he looked particularly emboldened to take on, uh, Shimasaki on that, on that, you know, their right, our left flank. Yeah, he was definitely right from the get go was the main attacking threat. And it's kind of something that seems to have been established the last couple of weeks. I, you know, you, you get it to Paulo. Paulo is the one that's trying to put in the crosses. Paulo is the one that's taking guys on and kind of trying to set up for Woj or JC on that left-hand side. Um, that's not to say, you know, Mike Vang's not trying anything or Don's not doing anything. It just seems like the link up between Giro and Paulo, two guys that are definitely more on the attacking side. Um, we're definitely trying to get a quick, fast start and, yeah, the last few weeks, he's been very impressive. I think it just took him a little bit longer to get going. Um, I know we were a little bit critical of him at the beginning, but I think now that he's got some games under his belt and now that he's able to kind of get a better understanding of how Giro's working, because last year, 
Paulo was kind of linking up with Pato most of the time. And then you get a number nine with Woj and it's kind of, you have some different personnel that he's used to while he's able to still take on guys, still put in the crosses and you could have, he could have easily had two or three assists in the first 15, 20 minutes. If uh, some things went differently. And now you don't know this, but once you cross over the 30 year threshold, it does take you a little longer to warm up a little longer to get going. So maybe that had, you know, something to, to do with it. He had to get himself, you know, a little more match fit. And the other thing that that we've always heard about Paulo Jr. is that he's a confidence player. And if he's feeling it, you know, you're going to get really a, a, a top-notch player if his confidence dips or things like that. And so I think it's great that he has seen his confidence, you know, come up. He had a number of good services in, you know, there were a couple of chances from that wing in that first half that we just didn't take. Um, you know, uh, JC had one that he kind of weekly put on goal, um, in about the 11th or 12th minute, um, you know, a couple of headed chances, just a couple of chances here and there from that left side off of the crosses. So I think, you know, that was, was really strong. And then the other thing that it led to as well is, you know, they like to bomb Shimasaki forward on that wing, like, like we do with Jiro and with Pato. And I think it really pinned him back having all that that pressure on him and kept him there. And I think that also led into what we saw as sort of the second point of the match um, was really the, the way the midfield controlled defensively. They never seemed to really get into a flow or a rhythm. That's that them being uh, new England revolution too. They never seemed to get into that, that flow or, or, you know, their midfield never seemed to get going. And part of that I think is having Shimazaki pinned back, but also, as you pointed out, you thought JC Don, uh, Michael Vang as well, all did a really good job in kind of breaking up play there along with Eric Leonard. Yeah. And they made Eric's job a lot easier because I feel like he didn't have to do as much, you know, there are definitely moments where maybe they would start getting a little bit close to the box, but Eric would be able to at least put a foot in and If he couldn't get the ball, then he was at least slowing them down a bit. So then that allowed, you know, whether it is JC or Don to help out or get Pato and Giro a little bit, you know, I think the midfield had a lot of control. It didn't feel like the Revs were able to build anything out of it. If they were, it was maybe like one or two passes, but then they would immediately go out to the wing, thinking that was their best option. And I think that's a credit to, yeah, the midfield just not allowing chances, cutting off a lot of passing lanes. And I mean, with what you said with Shimashaki getting pinned back, and I think that was a good example of that. If they couldn't really get anything going because as soon as they get a pass in, then you had Don or Mike Vang or JC able to kind of close down on them. And then if they were able to get past them, then you had Eric that was right there to clean it up. It, it felt like we were laughing on the zoom call on the, the flock one. If despite how many clearances Turbo has, which is good that he's clearing the ball that much, but it also means he has to keep continuously clearing it. And it's never, it's like a good and bad. It's like a, bad good statistic yeah you don't want like being the top in clearances is kind of cool but at the same time it's like that's not necessarily a great thing because that means you're being called upon a lot and i i think he him and josiah did a good job of continuously making sure that revs couldn't get any clear-cut chances man i think that stems from you know the midfield really doing its job to make sure that no one was able to string together passes or be comfortable on the ball well, and, and what's really been amazing in that midfield pairing, I mean, the, the Michael Vang, J.C. Banks pairing has only been going on now for four or five, you know, four or five weeks. It hasn't been that long. 
And it seems seamless. I mean, you can't, and I think they're two guys with great soccer brains that helps, but they also seem to read each other very well. And, and, you know, JC knows when, when Michael Van goes, he's going to drop off and that yet there are other times where we saw JC all the way forward and Michael Vang in, in the deeper lying role as well. And so I think they've really gotten to, you know, make that understanding, especially on the defensive side, which is, is really impressive. Yeah. And I think Don also deserves a shout because, you know, every time the lineup graphic, it shows Mike's on the wing and Don's in the midfield, but it kind of is more of the opposite. But there are times when Don does drop in the middle, whether that's more to receive the ball or not. It seems we did say at the beginning, Don's work rate has been phenomenal all year. And I think that's showing even more um, that it does allow that he's kind of letting Mike go on the wing more and kind of influence the game and kind of take over. And Don can kind of just creep up and just wait for his moment to go on the runs if he has to. Um, so, yeah, it's just good job all around in that midfield. And it kind of helps when you have Eric Leonard, someone that's very reliable at the six. But even when they put someone like Gustavo back there or Alan Rodriguez or Ovaya when he came in, like they're able to give that six a lot of protection up front and not make him. I always say they don't make him turn its own goal of Conte where he has to run around and kind of clean everyone else's mess. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, you know, and I think it's one of the things that they, they've done well for Eric Leonard is, you know, he was not a, he was a defender, moved into the sixth role, and he's, he's really, I think, taken to it. Um, and I think he works really efficient, efficiently on the defensive side, so you may not always notice him. But I think as well, your point was well taken. I think, um, you know, something we were a little worried about going into this year with losing Josiel Nunez was Josiel Paulo Jr., Don, all had a really fluid understanding. If you had, you know, and, and playing behind that, that you know, we never really had a number nine last year. So we, we worked a couple of things in. But what you saw with Josie L, what you saw with Don, what you saw with uh, Paulo Jr. was that ability to interchange. And now with Mike and, and JC and Don, a little less with, with uh, Paulo Jr. And part of that may have been just the tactical adjustment. They wanted to keep a guy out left to keep Shimasaki back and pinned back. Um, but, you know, you, you see that fluidity again, and that always makes it more dangerous for teams to defend because it's a new guy in your space. Guys are switching up and, and you don't know what angle they're going to be running at you from. And that leads to what we saw, which was the four goal explosion for the second time this season after we whined and whined about how little <laughs> forward Madison was was scoring. Part of the reason probably we don't want to have Neil on the pod is uh, because he's going to be like, boys, I told you so. Yep. <laughs> uh, so just shut up, guys, and trust me here. Um, but the the... It, you know, we were creating chances all match. I don't think, you know, we both discussed before and, and that the revs really didn't. But in the first half, we were creating chances. And so it seemed only a matter of time um, before we, we got that the, the kind of goals. And then they just kept flooding in, um, which is nice to see that we can get them in bunches. Yeah, it was interesting with the first 20 minutes. I mean, there was, what, two or three chances that were created that, Easily could have gone in. I mean, Joe Rice had some impressive saves, like JC's looping header. Yeah. You know, Rice did a good job at saving that. You know, if JC also had a clear cut chance that we talked about, kind of shot it weekly in the goal. Wolves had a couple of looks. Like everyone had looks. It was just either it wasn't a high, like they didn't strike the ball as well as they could have, or it was a good save by Joe Rice. And I think that was, I don't want to say like it was Mike coming into the lineup and all of a sudden, but I think it was a combination of, 
All right. Your first match was at North Texas, a team that they have struggled with on the road. It was the first competitive game of the season in seven, eight months with little to no preseason. So maybe if they, and I was kind of curious how they would have done with North Texas if they had not gone on strike, but it was one of those where it was in the first game of the season. Okay, fine, whatever. Greenville's always going to be a slog, tough, like if you get a chance, you got to take it. Yep. Okay, fine. Richmond was kind of the one game where I was like, maybe they should have done better. And now in hindsight, maybe not. Who knows? Richmond's well, I'm just played happy, really, really Kyle, well. that you've arrived at a place mentally that you can actually talk about the Richmond match. I mean, that's, that's all I'm going to say is based off of how Richmond has played this year, fine, whatever. If you're going to lose, lose to a good Richmond team, don't lose to a bad Richmond team. That's all I'm going to say. I still would rather not a loss. But you know, so those are the first three matches of the season, two of them on the road, little to no preseason. It was going to take some guys, especially when you're asking over 30 Paulo, over 30 Don, over 30 JC to kind of do stuff. And then you're going a little bit more defensive with some of the lines just because you're putting both Eric and Gustavo. You're kind of putting both Eric and Louis. On, you're kind of putting guys that aren't necessarily creators and attacking threats. But we've definitely seen when Ford has been able to create the chances, they have capitalized and taken those chances. And, you know, the first goal is a prime example of, you know, they fi- all that work they put in finally paid dividends. Yep, and so there in the 39th minute, um, grand theft, uh, grand theft uh, from the defender by Michael Vang, who had done that earlier, almost the exact same thing in like the 11th or 12th minute, uh, takes it call, cool as you like, slots in the back of the net, uh, keeps up his streak as as noted by Francesca Hong on this very podcast of a goal or an assist in in every game. The Vang train chugs along. What what more can we say about Michael Vang? The kid is talented. We There's a reason why we were excited about him when we first heard. There's talent there. It seems like he's adding a new aspect of his game every week. You know, whether it was just being in the right positions at first or his passing, his set pieces. Now he's able to kind of put in a smart press and press and get the ball when he needs and win the ball. The finish was a nice little chip. I mean, he could have rounded the keeper. He could have, there's a lot of things he could have done. Just a nice little dink over him. And it's, it's just the guy knows how to play and he's got the talent. And, you know, this is a player that most likely is going to end up in USL championship next season at the minimum. He might even make MLS. Like he's, he is that good and he's that young. And we got to enjoy him as much as we can. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to, you know, you brought up, I, w- I was thinking about that watching him like, he he's really special and uh you know you can see it um and you know one of the names actually that came up on the on the twitter machine and i should give credit to uh jake from uh blackfires uh for our uh four mingos joke at the top but he brought up andre reynolds a second um and how he's kind of dying to see him in the lineup and we saw a little bit of a glimpse of of him as well at that preseason scrimmage and you know uh, that's the nice thing about being an MLS team, but I was kind of salivating at the prospect of having him on loan to us this year. Uh, you know, it'd only be one year, but it'd be like, I remember, you know, I remember watching that guy play when, and and you get a little bit of a feeling like that with Michael Vang. I mean, I think he, you know, needs some time. He's still young. He's 19. Um, but in terms of his ball playing ability, in terms of his vision of the field, um, I don't know if he runs quieter than other people that allow him, allows him to, to, you know, 
just pick both of those pockets so so quick you know that it was like they were sleeping in the back there and he just walked through on them um but yeah you get that sense of like oh man this is he's he's going somewhere um Mm -hmm. you know for me growing up in madison i think back to uh you know the brief time that jose canseco spent with the madison muskies (laughs) Uh, his brother Ozzy spent a lot more time with the Madison Muskies. Didn't progress as far as Jose, but um, you know, it's like, hey, this this is a a superstar of of tomorrow, and I think that also um, is something fun for fans of the team. I mean, that that you know, we're seeing today. Dane Sinclair, who played a couple of matches with us last year, now starting for uh, Minnesota United in in MLS for a game, which is really cool. Um, that you you know you get to see the, the future, future stars coming up. And so I think that's something that, um, you know, we hope the the team keeps bringing in these young talented players and our relationship with the fire or whomever gives us access to someone like, uh, you know, Andre Reynolds, the second as well, because that, you know, both Vang and, and him should be very promising. Yeah. It's definitely like all the guys that we got from the fire. I'm sure if there wasn't COVID, we would have seen more Andre, but COVID kind of threw things for a loop. And, you know, Chicago definitely is at least interested in him because they keep putting him on the bench. He's just not yep. playing. So it would have been tough to try and shuttle him back and forth. And I'm sure there would have been COVID things. But yeah, yeah, he's definitely going to be another guy where if we get lucky enough to have him next year, that'll be fun. But yeah, I, I don't know what more we can say about Mike Vang that hasn't already been said. It's just a matter of, you know, when, I mean, hell, if a USL championship team came in today with an offer, I don't know if Ford would take it, but I feel like it'd be too good of a deal not to. It, it's yeah. just like, that's the kind of player he is where yeah. I can keep, like Jeff Ruder could post a tweet about saying, oh, Ford Madison accepted, you know, a 500000 offer for him, and I wouldn't even blink an eye to it. Yeah, and that's the other thing, you know, he's played in Portugal, so there's the distinct possibility that maybe he goes abroad. I mean, you know, that, that possibility exists. Um, Paisley is very upset about the thought of Michael. That's fair. <laughs> um, so then in the 61st minute, uh, we move along. I, I'm going to give cre- I'm going to give the goal to Josiah Trimmingham. I don't care what they say. Uh, this is the third indirect free kick that we have seen this year. Drop balls, indirect free kicks. It's like a, a U8 uh, rec match uh, in, in USL League One. Uh, we're going to, in honor of Francesca Hong, uh, they're going to wear stirrup shin guards next week, I think as well. Um, but I, I give the credit to, to Trimmingham. Yeah, it bounced around it, it pinballed a little bit, but, um, Michael Vang with the touch as well. You know, do we give him the assist? Can we give him the assist there? I'm giving him the assist if we're giving Josiah the goal. Like it makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, just, yeah. we just keep, yeah, yeah. Set up the goal. yeah. <laughs> So um, I definitely uh, didn't expect it to go in because I was kind of looking at it. Whereas positions like, how the hell are you going to like actually approach this? Because unless you like cut, like man puts a touch the trimming and then you pass it around in time, you really just got to, I didn't expect him to just shoot it straight on props to Josiah. Good on him. I, like I said, I'm giving him that goal, but it's weird that we've gotten, yeah, the third indirect and this time you can't blame the lines throwing you off. No, no. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a, a very clean pitch on like uh, Hart park. Um, that was a very central defender esque uh, free kick. That was just, I'm going to smash this as hard as I possibly can. And sometimes that approach I think works beautifully when there are a lot of bodies in there, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of chaos, I feel like it would have ended in a scramble anyway, just because 
you know, you have the keeper right there. You had, I'm pretty sure there's 20 players in the box. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of chaos. <laughs> yeah. Something I think, uh, was going you know, to happen. Marchetta and Turbo, I think, were the only guys not in the box for forward Madison there. Um, and I was yeah. kind of hoping that it would just be like, it would just deflect, like someone would try and clear and just like deflects off their own player back into the net. <laughs> Yeah, well, and Vosges was standing there too, and looked like he may it may have pinged off of him too at some point. So, um, but no, we're going to give the goal first professional goal, Josiah Trimmingham. Um, you know, don't care if it's official or not. We're we're not you know, we're not statisticians. Uh, in yeah. the 67th minute, uh, uh, we saw the debut of Adolfo Ovalle, uh, who came on, a uh, player from. Uh, on loan from TFC two who are not playing this year because our country is a flaming shit show. And, you know, Toronto just doesn't want to come here. I think, um, you know, uh, for, for safety reasons, we could call it. Um, and then uh, about 21 minutes later, he, uh, n- you know, inscribes his name in the scorebook in spectacular fashion. Yeah. Talented kid, talented player was over in the Salt Lake Academy. So, it was. I was curious to see what he would do. Rumors had it he was kind of going to be a guy that Eric could give Eric a breather, compete with Eric, and yet he kind of just comes in. It looks like he's very advanced, and I expected to shoot it. So the fact that he does um, just made it even more impressive. The only, only the second or third, we're not sure, but definitely at least a second outside the box goal in four matches in history. Um, Super impressive, great strike. Not much anyone could have done at it. He had a lot of space, also, so I think that contributed to it as well. And yeah, but uh, absolute cracker of a goal. Uh, more important uh, consideration, I think John Dolazar, fan of ours from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, brought up on Twitter, Twitter. He looks like Luke Ailing, I think, from Leeds United. I think there's a definite Luke Ailing. Uh, you know. Ovalle uh, crossover p- potential. Um, I was thinking a mature version of Harvey Elliott. Just with like I, the I hair. Like, yeah. I feel like it's an older Harvey Elliott. <laughs> you know, uh, but I thought that, you know, that, that hair. Yeah, there's just something about that hair that, um, you know, uh, young, uh, young Kyle Beckerman, maybe. Um, you know, not a comparison anybody wants, I think. Uh, but, you know. It, you could get worse comparisons, but it's, it could be worse. I don't know. I feel like Kyle Beckerman did his role well. Yeah, sort of. Think, like you couldn't fault him for not trying and not doing the job he was asked. <laughs> he, he had a job. He did it. We he may did not the job have loved he was that job too. Yeah, <laughs> and they knew not to ask him to do more. Uh, and then in the 90th minute, uh, Vosges, Hank Scorpio. Uh, third goal of the year for our number nine classic kind of strikers goal. Uh, just took it. it. Almost seemed he almost seemed apologetic for taking his fourth goal. Um, you know, maybe it was a shout out. He felt almost like he was scoring against for, former club Hartford United, which is you know uh, only a little ways down the road from from uh, you know Boston. Uh, but uh, you know, the fourth goal, and it's nice to see that that goal scoring explosion, as we said. Yeah, it was a clinical goal. He wins the ball. I don't know if it was a missed pass or if he was able to cut off the passing lane. Gets it, turn, shoot. Like, it was, like, so natural and instinctive. It was like he got the ball and he made it. It was like, okay, I'm going to shoot it, and it went in. Yeah. It, it, 
it felt like he didn't even need to process it at the time. And I don't know if that's just something that he saw right away or if that's just his natural instinct, but it was a clinical goal. That's what we expect out of him. And again, another player where it takes him a while to get used to his teammates, but, and this is what we've been lacking all last year. And, you know, to see the difference is very, it's something that we're just, I don't want to say we're taking for granted, but something that a lot of fans that followed this team last year would immediately say is we have a true number nine. We have someone that you can get the ball to ask to go score a goal and he will seven out of 10 times score it. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he's already surpassed every other number nine in goals total. And I might not be exaggerating that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, he's probably, you know, last year, Danny Tenorio had injury injury problems. Um, you know, Mason Toy uh, just toyed with our hearts. Um, he, he's very close. He's got three goals. Um, Brian DeMette, Danny Tenorio, Mason Toy, Oliver White, I think combined for four goals in the league. Yeah. Well, and, and it just felt as well, like none of those guys ever were healthy for a very long period of time or in a forward jersey, you know, forward Madison Jersey for a significant amount of time. Um, thinking of Mason toy in particular. Uh, so that, that wraps it up. The, I also think, you know, one of the things that we, we've commented as well is I think having that, that ability to find Vosges in the buildup has, you know, you know where to find him. He does a good job of holding the ball. Um, may hold it a little longer than, than you'd like, but hold it and then give it back to another guy in part of that buildup. And I think that's helped the overall fluidity as well. You know, when you, when you can start clearly defining roles for everyone and that makes it easier for then the creativity of Paolo and Don out on the wings, because they know they've got somebody who's occupying that, that center back and they're going to get their, their defender on an Island a little bit more as well, you know? And so they'll be able to dribble them or take them on one-on-one and, and go at them that way. Yeah. definitely allows Paulo and Don and even Mike and JC, because, you know, you have to focus on what you keep, because I, he's definitely a player where if he gets the ball faces, if his back's to the goal and he gets the ball, he can turn immediately find somewhere to shoot it. He can immediately put a pass somewhere. Like he is someone that with the ball, he's very dangerous with the ball at his feet. So you can't, not you can't not mark him tightly so it, it does allow even if it is Wolves gets it and he can just dump it back to you know jc or mike Vang. that's only fine because now you at least have one center back's attention it allows all the other guys to move forward yeah it, it's just someone that you have to acknowledge his presence and if you don't he's going to score on you in some capacity yeah and so i i think that you know has us very excited um going down the stretch uh going into the playoff run uh don't want to talk you know i don't i don't we're, we're seven games into the year greenville has nine matches under their belt it's impossible to really talk about what you know i think forward just needs to keep winning um but i am you know uh, much more hopeful i would say than i was uh you know four weeks ago when we were all you know despairing for our existence and uh you know decided that the usl league one should have been canceled at that point um, you know, so I think, you know, you're, you're feeling more hopeful about this team and you just, you just see the the possibilities. And I don't think anybody wants, excuse me, to, to play this team right now. No, I, I mean, Elliot over at River City 93 even said the th- same thing. He's like, I'm glad we faced forward what we did because 
they, it feels like this team is clicking. It, I yeah. think they're finally understanding. And this was the same situation as last year where it took them a little bit while, slower start. And then they hit the month of May and like late May. And once it got into June, they were able to figure it out and put it all together. And that plus you're, you're playing your, most of your toughest games of the season. All right. You, you run on the road against Omaha. You scrap on a draw. You play Greenville at home. You get a draw. You go on the road to Richmond. You've played the top three teams already. You thrash Tormenta. You still have to face Chattanooga. But you know, other than the North Texas loss, Four Madison have also won the games they needed to. They beat a depleted Tormenta team. They beat a not-so-good OCB team. They beat a not-so-good Refs 2 team. So they are winning the games that you expect them to win. And yeah, it's definitely too early for playoffs because, I mean, all it takes is two straight losses and you find yourself in a dogfight as we see with Greenville right now. Yeah. So if they continue winning these games against, you know, the Revs 2, Fort Lauderdale, if you can win against Fort Lauderdale, you win against Chattanooga and you hope that results go your way and maybe you get a win against Greenville this next Sunday, or you get another win against Omaha. Like if you beat these teams ahead of you and hope that these teams ahead of you also drop points, you have a chance, but you got to win. You got to win the teams that are below you on the table. Yeah. Well, and we bring, you know, we bring Omaha up to Hart park, you know, yeah, we have this big, big match against Greenville. Somehow we've played Greenville twice already have, you know, I'll be honest, I don't understand what they did with Union Omaha's schedule. It seems like every week they're playing a, somebody's B team on, and this week it was like on three days rest. Um, you know, they played Union Omaha played uh, OCB and OCB had played on Thursday night, I think. So it was yeah, like... it was a weird situation. And hey, props to Omaha. They're, again, same thing as Madison. They're winning the games they're supposed to win. Yeah. They would have played an independent team if Chattanooga was competent. <laughs> <laughs> That's asking a lot, Kyle. You right. Know like that. if Chattanooga was somewhat competent, Omaha would have played them and that would have maybe given us an idea. But, you know, I think other than other than Richmond, everyone has yet, most of the team has not played their toughest schedule or have not played the toughest teams at the moment. Besides, yeah. you know, the teams at the bottom that weren't going to be contenders in the first place. And uh, man, I'm, you know, that Richmond team, um, I, 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 I think they can go toe to toe with anybody right yeah. now. Um, and Terzaghi has been just a, a, you know, probably the other than Michael Vang, the best arrival in in USL League One. Um, you know, w- we'd fight Elliot from River City '93 because I think it's Michael Vang, obviously. But uh, I'll I'll entertain his his arguments for Terzaghi. How's that sound? Um, you know, the top four teams, I think. There is now a gap. You know, there's tier one, which is those top four teams of Madison, Omaha, Greenville, Richmond. Then you got your next tier, which is, you know, Chattanooga, Tormenta, kind of Toronto, not Toronto, Fort Lauderdale. And then there's everyone else where they're not good. If you lose them, it's shocking. Yeah. You draw to them, it's you're going to have a lot of questions. And then North Texas is just a maybe one day they'll be world beaters or they're going to not be the team that they're not the team we fear anymore. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. No. And, and you know, they're, they're, they were fun to watch last year. I mean, they were so clearly, you know, everything was clicking. And then this year everything has just not been clicking and, you know, it speaks to you lose a player or two, you know, here or there. Um, and, and things, you know, end up 
changed up. So uh, look forward to, you know, recapping next week with you, Kyle, the, the Greenville triumph match. Uh, anything that, you know, I think we're, we know what to expect with Greenville and forward uh, both Daryl and, and John Hark set up their team pretty conservatively in that match and keep it tight. Uh, and, you know, you, you hope for a set piece. It's a very, a very uh, Mourinho esque kind of match from both managers, you know, where they, they're going to keep, guys back they don't want to expose they know that the other coach is looking for you know a weakness that they can exploit on the counter and they don't want to expose themselves and and hope you know you get a there's a there's a joke in there about harks and exposing himself um but uh you know they they we're going to see another turgid affair is my guess I, i'm i'm guessing madison is not going to score four goals next week uh, no, if Madison could score a goal, that would be a new milestone for them to finally score a goal against Greenville. Um, it's going to either be a one zero win from one of the teams or a one, one draw or zero, zero draw. It's, those are the only three potential score lines. There's no way any team is going to score two goals unless there is a bad penalty call. I, I, I kind of await this and like we, we get back next Monday and have to pretend we never uttered these comments because it was a five, four, like 1990s, you know, FA cup thriller scoreline, like Newcastle United game from the nineties, you know, where they, yep. <laughs> both teams are like, ah, screw it. We're just going to, we're just going to bomb forward. Um, or just and, like a bunch of one new goals just appear out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden Matt, forward Madison has finally broken the, the outside of the, the box duck. And so now they're just going to, you know, Turbo is going to put one in from 35, um, you know, just upper, upper 90 rockets. Someone's uh, going to do a soul. Giro's going to go on a solo run. Yep. Like, like Maradona in the 86 world cup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by the way, speaking of 35 yard rockets, John Hart's back when he played with Sheffield Wednesday in the early nineties, I can't remember if it was 91 or 92, 93, one of those years, he had the goal of the year in England on a just vicious upper 90 rocket. Uh, so, Uh, Worth checking out. Uh, Until next time, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. Um, You got to cut this out. Sterling is screaming his head off, so I'm going to quickly check on that. So give me like two minutes to give this pacifier. <laughs>